Welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Career, a podcast where we share stories of people who have taken a leap and embarked on an alternative career path in Asia. I'm your host, Jennifer Ong, and today I'm very happy to have Michelle Yuan join us. Michelle is the founder of Asia Wedding Network, Asia's largest online wedding platform. Her platform is a one-stop shop to planning your big day. She's literally thought of everything you might need. She's got everything from wedding inspiration to wedding planning tools, an extensive directory of vendors, and an online store that sells everything from wedding package deals to wedding-related products, and even a marketplace to buy and sell pre-loved wedding dresses. And for this, she has been awarded Forbes 30 Under 30 for her work with Asia Wedding Network. But before all this, Michelle had a totally different life. After graduating from Columbia University, she started her career in equity sales at J.P. Morgan and was a journalist at Wall Street Journal, Reuters, and Forbes. Thanks so much, Michelle, for your time and for joining me today. Thank so, you. So first question for you, did you always know that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Well, I definitely did not always want to be an entrepreneur. Right out of college, I knew I wanted to be in finance like my mother, and that's what I focused my career goals on. And it wasn't until I was a journalist that I decided I wanted to do my own startup. I think it was just really exciting interviewing all these startup founders and seeing how they were so passionate about building something from zero. Actually, after I was a journalist, I worked for a few startups just to see like how startups operated and everything. And I got a lot of experience there. And then I just kept thinking of ideas as I was working. And then one day I left the startup job and then I started Asia Wedding Network. Ah, okay. Why did you join a startup before starting your own business? What was the thinking behind that? Well, I definitely needed experience if I wanted to start my own business one day. So just like learning from people who are really experienced and just learn from their experience instead of, you know, fully going into it and not knowing what I'm getting into and maybe crashing and burning really quickly. So I definitely think that if you want to build your own business or you want to work in a startup, it's really important to at least get a taste of what it's going to be like for when you are your own boss, because it's really different than any other kind of job out there. I think that's a very interesting point because my last interviewee, which is the founders of Style Theory, they literally gave the exact same advice. They said that oh, really? you know, that's what they wished that they did before starting Style Theory, oh. because then they would have like learned from another small startup and like learned the jargon and the tools. So I think that's yeah. very, very interesting that you also share this same view. So when you were starting Asia Wedding Network, I guess, how did you come up with this idea? Were there a few different ideas that you were uh, tossing around and considering? Well, it came about when people around me were getting married and I just saw that they were having a really hard time looking for quality vendors in Asia and also in the location where they were getting married. And I just saw them using sites in um, the Western part of the world, like The Knot or Wedding Wire, which weren't Asia focused. So that's when I had the idea for Asia Wedding Network. How, how did you test if there was like a demand for this product? 
So we surveyed a lot of brides who were getting married to see if they were receptive to the idea and it seemed that many of them were and at the time it was only a directory. So they really just enjoyed being able to easily find vendors um, by clicking category and location instead of, you know, being on like page eight of Google looking for the specific vendor that they wanted. So um, for you, when you first started out with a directory, how did you go about finding these vendors? So we started in Hong Kong because I was living in Hong Kong at the time. We found the vendors through Instagram or LinkedIn, or we cold call them sometimes, or we went to wedding expos to sign them up to our platform. It was really, really difficult at first since we were new and nobody knew who we were and we had to like convince them to like come onto our platform. Also, we found out that there have been other platforms in the past that did pretty much almost the same thing, but then they stopped running. So with that, they didn't have the best experience with these kind of platforms. So they were a bit hesitant to sign up to, to another platform. But then once we convinced them of why we were different and what our direction was, they started signing up. How, how did you go about convincing them? We were just trying to tell them like our whole business direction of why we were different and how we are very international. We had English, simplified Chinese, traditional Chinese. It wasn't just like before there was just English or just Chinese. So we were telling them what features we were going to build in the future and how we were going to acquire new customers to an audience to come onto our site to browse for their wedding um, planning. So it was just like a lot of convincing that we had to do because they didn't have the best experience beforehand. And now we sign them up and then now they're just like upgrading their vendor profiles. And it's, it's really hard to get the ball rolling. But once you do, it's a bit easier to maintain. Did it come at a cost for them to try to be on your platform? Was that why they were so skeptical? No, actually, it was free at first. I think they just didn't want to deal with like another, like there was a really big wedding magazine or platform in Hong Kong before, and then it shut down. And I guess they were kind of like scarred from it. Ah, uh, okay. So it took a lot of convincing. And did you start with like a particular type of vendor? Well, we wanted to do a more Western style, high quality platform. We, we kind of targeted a specific kind of customer, mostly like a bride or groom that like studied abroad and has seen things internationally and are looking for a high quality wedding. So we kind of signed up vendors that we thought were more for that type of wedding instead of just going for any kind of bridal shop or any kind of photographer. There was always some big vendors we wanted to work with, especially some of the big hotels in Bali because we knew that if we could get them, then we could get a lot of other vendors. So now that you got like a bunch of vendors on your website, how did you go about finding the customers? Because I think that's probably the hardest part of building a marketplace is you got to find both the supply and the yeah. demand. How did you go about finding these customers? So we built a lot of content so that couples would have interest in our site. And we did a lot of digital marketing and um, social media marketing, doing SEO, SEM, like all of that, just so people would come to our site and see if they could stay there, like um, featuring people's weddings. And then they would get their um, group of friends to go see their wedding. And we would sometimes have vendors give advice to our 
brides so that they would they could get some like tips for how to plan their wedding or how to choose the right photographer. So it's just building a lot of content basically and really trying to be at the top of Google. I also think that's the most sustainable way <laughs> because you know if you're at the top all the, a lot, you don't have to like spend too much money to keep being at the top, just having really good content and renewing that content and making sure it's fresh and relevant is really important. So for you guys, it was much more like search engine optimization rather than like exactly. doing any paid ads or anything. Uh, was yeah. it more important for you to focus on the vendor side or on the customer side? Actually, we thought it was both equally important, which was kind of hectic. Of course, I think we... Looking back, I think we signed up vendors to the platform first, but at the same time, we also were trying to build a lot of content so that people would quickly come on so that the vendors would see like there's value of being on our site. And so it was just like a two-way thing that we just kept having to balance and pull in both directions. So like I said, it was just like all out in the beginning. So... I guess you mentioned that you've now expanded your services to Bali and to a lot of different countries. Maybe walk us through that whole process. Like, how did you grow from um, being more Hong Kong focused and getting vendors and customers in Hong Kong to expanding to quite a few other countries in, in Asia? So it was always the plan to expand to other countries. So we started as soon as we thought we had enough vendors for Hong Kong. Because weddings at that time, before COVID, were so international, it was definitely like the plan all along to expand to all the destination countries. Not only because destination and overseas weddings were getting so popular, but even hiring vendors from other countries simply because you like their work was also a trend as well. People don't think like, oh, okay, I'm getting married in Hong Kong and then I have to use all Hong Kong vendors. Like people really think outside of the box and they think like, oh, but I actually want like my floral designer to be from Thailand or something. So it's like very, I think it's very international for Asia. So I think it's really different from the Western wedding industry, which is like if you're like people mostly use all local vendors. So adding other vendors from all over Asia was just really an essential part of the plan. And I guess it's also because the customers you were targeting are people who have studied abroad, who probably want to have a destination wedding or a wedding where they bring in like vendors from outside of the country that they're having yeah. a wedding in. Just relating to that a little bit, um, how did you guys grow? I know Asia Wedding Network has been around for a couple of years now. And we've spoke about, you know, your expansion into other geographical regions and different services. But how did you guys grow on the customer side? So it grew by talking to brides and we keep talking to, you know, new people who come onto the site. And we just ask them, like, what do you wish that was on the site that is not on the site right now? And then they give us ideas or sometimes we find ideas ourselves and, um, then we just see if it's viable and if we can build it and how we're going to build it and how much it would cost to build it and how much time we need to spend to build it. So then we would just assess whether it's worth building and if this kind of problem solving really pertains to all brides or just that particular bride. And then we kind of assess and then if we think it's a good feature, then we just add it on. So that was kind of like the process for each feature. 
but that's always the best way to do it is to be very customer centric and just listen to like the ideas that they have. And that way, you know, for sure, there's like a demand for that product or that feature. Yeah. So I guess maybe tell us a little bit more about your business model. How do you make money from this platform? So we make money a couple of ways. So first is the vendor profile directory listings on our website. So we have many tiers of vendor profiles that vendors can choose, which varies on the amount of exposure that they get throughout the site and throughout our social media platforms. And we help vendors do spotlight interviews or advertorials for additional exposure. And if the vendors have packages that they would like to list on our site, there may also be a fee depending on how they want to list the package. Of course, we also have banner ads and newsletter mentions. And recently for vendors, we also launched a little digital media service a sub-brand called Ply Digital, where we can help them with their social media accounts, their SEO optimization, SEM, PPC, and other marketing strategies. And on the couple side, we do have packages for couples to directly book on our website. So whether it's something as simple as a wedding planning service or a pre-wedding shoe or something more complicated like an all-inclusive wedding package that includes everything from uh, venue to F&B to makeup, hair, photo, video, or even an all-inclusive pre-wedding shoot that includes not just the photography, but also the dresses, the tux, the makeup, everything as well. We have all types of packages for couples to directly book on our site. And we also have an online shop called Wedding Shop World where couples can buy pretty much everything they need for their weddings that is really hard to find elsewhere. So we have um, invitations, Chinese-themed invitations, chongsams, um, gifts and favors, bridesmaids' dresses, you know, Chinese-themed hair accessories. So we have a lot of things that you can't really find elsewhere on our site. And then lastly, we also have a marketplace where couples can sell their wedding dresses to other brides for a flat fee of US dollars, $19.99. So it's very cheap. And sometimes brides would want to get rid of their dresses after the wedding. So that's another service that we provide. Shifting gears a little bit, wedding industry is a very interesting industry to be in because majority of people only get married once in their life. So from a business perspective, once you hook a customer in and they really love your service and really love your brand, how do you get them to buy more from you and become repeat customers? Or is your business model really much more around like acquiring new customers? Yeah, so that's really true. We do get a lot of people who are happy with our service and then they refer friends. And that's, that's a pretty big part of how we get new customers because I do think that we do a really good job in covering all angles of a wedding. That just shows through our platform of how extensive we are and how we really think about every corner and every detail of a wedding. So yeah, we don't have recurring customers, although we did have someone propose twice and use our proposal services twice. So I guess that kind of counts. For you, where do you see Asia Wedding Network grow into? I know you guys are already pretty established and you've got tons of vendors and customers. What's the next step for you guys? I would just say weathering out COVID first and coming out stronger and 
really looking for new features we can add or just strengthening our current features so that we are really that one-stop shop for everything weddings in Asia. So yeah, so speaking of COVID, I'm sure the pandemic has had a pretty big impact on the wedding industry. I know a lot of my friends had their weddings canceled or postponed. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that had a massive impact on your business as well. So maybe share a little bit more about how your business has weathered through th- this period of time. So yeah, COVID has affected our business a lot, of course. Um, Not only have a bunch of weddings been postponed or canceled, like you said, but this has definitely affected a lot of our business. And on top of that, a lot of wedding vendors are suffering as well. So the whole wedding industry has um, been under a lot of pressure, especially destination weddings, because each country always has strict border restrictions that are pretty much changing um, week by week. Right now, it's just really tough for everyone in this industry. So I think it's a really good opportunity for us to prepare ourselves to get ready for when COVID hopefully soon disappears, that we will be in a stronger position in the wedding industry. So we strongly believe that those who are more well-prepared and financially strong will survive in the wedding industry after COVID. So it's mostly just preparing ourselves and building up ourselves that we can survive and uh, be stronger after COVID is gone. And how have you guys handled this wedding slowdown this past year? Did you guys think about pivoting into different services So when COVID happened, a lot of businesses, venues, hotels, they needed a lot of help and they kept asking us about more innovative marketing strategies. And this is why we created our sub-brand Ply Digital, which is a digital marketing division that helps companies. So when brands realized that effective and more customized digital marketing was more important now than ever, we actually allowed them to use our marketing team for their digital marketing initiatives. So this is like the team that transformed in an entire industry and built a company from scratch using pretty much digital marketing starting from zero. So just using this kind of like growth hacking innovation, really scrappy marketing to help them grow and grow bigger is is part of why we created Ply Digital for them to help them weather out COVID and really strengthen their digital marketing. Also, we're still making money from people buying things through Wedding Shop World. And some people are beginning to book weddings for 2021, like end of 2021 or 2022, and some even 2023. And So we're slowly, you know, surviving. (laughs) I think that's a very genius way of kind of pivoting your business, because as you said, you've already got that expertise in being able to rank highly on SEO for your own company. So why not kind of share that knowledge with some of your other vendors? Shifting gears a little bit to something more personal, what was the biggest surprise when you were running your own business? The biggest surprise was actually how fast we were recognized in the wedding industry and in the startup industry in general. Although it was really hard in the beginning and we were very like scrappy, like we said, we definitely did not expect to get so much attention in such a short period of time. I mean, we were in the Forbes 30 under 30 list within six months of launching. So it just shows how much recognition and attention we received within a short period of time. So I think that was just something that we were really surprised about. And and why do you think that was the case that you guys got recognized so quickly? 
I felt like it was because there wasn't another company that was doing as much as we were and just like really pushing and grinding and trying to grow as fast as we could within the wedding industry. And I think that's why a lot of vendors start to see that and they started to come onto our wedding platform. So I definitely think that that's why we got so much attention just because of how hard we were working and how much like innovative marketing strategies we were using. That's fair. And I guess what was the biggest challenge for you? Building something from zero, like really like getting your domain name up and like, you know, unless you acquire a company and build it from there, like building from something from zero, I think is really difficult and challenging for everybody. But I definitely think it's really rewarding once you build everything and you see people use it and you see these big brands come and want to work with you. I definitely think it, that's the most rewarding part. But just really starting off is just really difficult. And you really need to believe in yourself that it's going to happen and it's going to work. And just be really narrow-minded and getting rid of all distractions that this might not work or you're wasting your time. So you just really need to like get over your fears. And I think that's a really big challenge. But at the end, the reward is just very, very rewarding. I think the mental fortitude of saying that seems to be consistent across a lot of entrepreneurs because yeah. I think you guys just face, you know, so many challenges and rejections along the way that to be mentally strong is actually a very crucial um, trait to, 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 to have yeah. in order to succeed in being an entrepreneur. Um, on that vein, though, for people who are thinking about starting their own business, and are not sure or afraid to leave their corporate careers, what sort of advice do you have for them? And what did you wish you knew before you embarked on this? Um, I definitely think it's going to be a lot harder than you think. So definitely think twice about whether you want to start your own company and whether you can take the pressure and the hard work that's ahead of you. It's really not for everyone. And even though you might think you'll have a better life being your own boss and calling all the shots, that might not always be the case. There's definitely different pressures associated with starting your own business that may be even tougher than working for someone else. However, once you succeed in the business that you've created and started seeing all that hard work has paid off, the feeling is really, really extraordinary and rewarding. And if you could redo anything, you know, in the past couple of years in your business, what would you redo? Is there anything you would have done differently? I definitely think that like, I was kind of a little narrow focused on, you know, building a directory and building a lot of content. And then it wasn't until later we started to really interview people and figure out what brides actually want addition to it in addition to a directory and seeing what features they want. I wish I started this process sooner. So just really thinking outside of the box and thinking um, more about like what people want and what more I can build. If I started this earlier, maybe I would grow even faster, but nothing is perfect, right? Yeah, for sure. I guess li live and learn, that's <laughs> the best way yeah. to, to move forward. And I guess maybe just closing off with one final question. In the Western world, you know, people usually say, follow your dreams, follow your passion, and eventually the financial reward will come. Whereas I think in Asia, the mm -hmm. mindset is very much around financial security and, you know, passion is something you pursue on the side as like a hobby. It's not something you make a living from. I would love to hear your your thoughts around this, this statement. So I actually 
do believe that financial stability is very important. I don't recommend starting your own company when you don't have any money in the bank and when you don't have any experience just because you are passionate. So I do think that working for someone and you know saving money while at the same time learning, I think that's a perfect way to really understand the field that you are passionate about. So while I do think financial stability is really important, at one point when you think you're ready, you can start your own business and then follow your dreams, work really hard at it. And then I think the money will come, but don't do it and rush into it and think that you know a lot, but you can actually learn a lot more if um, you work for someone first and you know get that experience and then go for your business. I guess one of the questions that people usually have is, okay, yes, like I would love to follow up my dreams and try to start up my own business, but what's the financial reward like when you do that? And how does that compare to working for a corporate job? So we'd love to get some insights from, from you who have done both. Do the fi- financial rewards compare to working um, for a big company? I would say it's a different kind of reward. I don't think it's like a really financial reward. Like, I don't think you should start a business if you want to get financial rewards right away, because that might not happen right away. But I do think it's just um, rewarding to work so hard for something that you believe in and that you can see something grow from zero to however big you grow it to. And I definitely think that this kind of reward is better than financial reward. Got it. And I think that that's very much in line with a lot of other people who have started their own business. It's much more about like the internal reward of seeing something grow, like that sense of mission or or passion. But on that point, for someone who's, you know, rely predominantly on a steady stream of income, is this something that is out of reach for them? Or do you feel like there is still a way to pursue this? Um, I would say then you would have to go raise money <laughs> if you don't have that much saved and um, you really want to do this before, probably before quitting your job, you would have to go use your idea to go raise money and to um, see if it's viable and if people want to invest in your idea. I mean, people still have to eat and they still need to live somewhere. So if you don't have that much saved, I would say, maybe get your minimum viable product out and then try to raise money and then see what happens and see if people want to invest in your idea and then work on it from there. I think that's a really good piece of advice and something very solid that people can definitely follow. So I guess the point is, it's not like you have to save up this amount of money before you pursue it. You could actually also pursue the fundraising route and then go from there. So, so yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for chatting with us here today. It's been really great to hear your story and to see the successes that you've been able to build from scratch. So thank you so much for your time. This has been really great. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) And there you have it. My conversation with the founder of Asia Wedding Network. Here's a couple key takeaways that I got from this conversation. One, the power of search engine optimization when growing your business. Instead of paying for ads on Instagram or Facebook, 
Michelle focused on growing her business by writing educational articles for brides planning their big day. I'd use keywords and meta tags to ensure her business would show up at the top of a Google search. Two, listen to your customers. They often can guide your business and help you figure out what features to build and how the company can expand and grow. Three, remain nimble and be prepared to pivot your business. The wedding industry was hard hit by COVID-19, and in order to weather out the storm, Michelle leveraged her knowledge in marketing to create a sub-brand that provides digital marketing services to her vendors. I also picked up a few common themes between Michelle and some of my other guests in previous episodes. For example, one, Michelle suggested working at an early stage startup before starting your own business, something the Style Theory founders also encouraged in episode four. Two, Cold calling and cold emailing was another consistent theme across all my guests so far. It seems like to be an entrepreneur, you can't be afraid to reach out to strangers, and you can't let rejection bother you. Jasmine in particular, I thought had a really great story about cold emailing the CFO of Alibaba in episode 3. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend you go check it out. And that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Control-Alt-Career. Check back in two weeks from now for our next episode, where I'll be interviewing the founder of Liquify, a technology platform that uses blockchain to tokenize illiquid assets. Oof, that was a mouthful. And if that went way over your head, definitely tune in to find out what that's all about and hear how Adrian went from BlackRock to fintech startup. And if you haven't subscribed yet, do hit subscribe and leave me a rating and review. This will make the algorithm gods so happy and help others find my podcast. I'm making these podcasts for free, so if this has provided you value, that'd be a really great way for you to show your support. And if you did already, you're the best. Thanks so much. All right, see you guys back here again in two weeks. Until then. Bye.